My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more and if it's for you, sign up. Welcome to Life's a Banquet. That was a surprise. That was a surprise start. No one was expecting it. Welcome to, leave it in, Amanda. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable, and adorable, with your hosts, me, a tiny baby puppy. (laughs) And me, Nikki Six from Molly Crew. Oh, Hey, what's up? You troublemaker? <laughs> I don't make trouble. I just wear bandanas. <laughs> That's true. I'm sure that if we were to investigate the public and private life of Nikki Six nowadays, he may not be 2020. We're in 2021, aren't we? He no might not be knows. 20. There's no way to know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the modern man's hustle, huh? Nikki Six, is he still alive? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Am I still alive, you mean, Nikki Six? <laughs> yes, are you still alive, Senor Six? <laughs> he is alive, according to Wikipedia. The first sentence says is. That's all you gotta look at, not was. <laughs> okay, yes, that's true. That's how you always <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> Sometimes, like, if I see somebody post a picture of, like, a random celebrity, I'm like, oh, my God, Harrison Ford. And I, like, quickly <coughs> Google, like, Harrison Ford and, like, look at the Wikipedia. And as long as it still says is, then I know Harrison Ford is still alive. It's crazy that he's still alive because he keeps, like, crashing his own planes into very <laughs> crazy. Like, he's, like, too old to be flying, but he won't stop. <laughs> Because he's a curmudgeon. Oh, I assume. It could all just be an act. He could be very warm and cuddly. Imagine he's the most, like, affable, dainty, like, sweet man you've ever met. He does (laughs) seem... He does often play a curmudgeon, which does lead us to believe he's a fucking asshole. Or if you go on to... If you see any of his, like, talk show appearances, he seems like a real turd. Really? I don't know that I've ever seen him on a talk show. It's, like, almost hard to watch because he's so, like, mean to the host. Really? He is very dry. <laughs> I can't imagine him being mean. I wonder if what? he ever does the dancing baby thing that um Yeah, for his wife, so popular. <laughs> what if he what if we came look at his IMDB page and we come to find out he was the dancing baby and that's how they met? <laughs> that could be. Yeah. That would be a big shock. <laughs> have you ever seen the film Regarding Henry? Uh, yes, I have. It's one of yeah, Mike Nichols's least uh I don't know, successful films, I'd say. I still enjoy it to an extent. I get that. I conflate that one with another Harrison Ford. There's one where he's, like, injured, right? And he has to recover. The Fugitive. (laughs) What happens in Regarding Henry? Does he, like, have a brain He's injured and he has to recover. He gets shot. Okay. And then it gives him empathy. Exactly. Well, it it's it's quite problematic. His depiction, as you know, often was and even still is. But like, I I think it was really intense back in the eighties and nineties. Uh, actors, de- white actors, depictions of anyone with any kind of injury or neurodiversity or anything that they shouldn't have been doing. He really, I don't. It's it makes me uncomfortable to watch it, to be honest. Yeah, the nineties was a difficult time, but there is, if I recall correctly, 
a very cute child and puppy in that movie. Yeah, I think the, the child is someone famous. I think, I want to say it's like Gabby Hoffman, but I could be wrong. The child actor, I feel like, is cute, and they get a puppy that sort of, like, signifies that he is now a caring and feeling man. Exactly, like Before, yes. they had no dog at home, which meant that he was cold and selfish, and he had And an monstrous. <laughs> yes. As long as you have a puppy, you can basically do anything. I'm going to look up who the girl was uh thank you for sticking with us everyone <laughs> also i was just i started listening to a new podcast out of hate should i say the name it's no, really bad it's know. a true crime podcast it is not my favorite murder but it's like a knockoff of my favorite murder if you can imagine anything being kind of more ignorant i don't think you should law say enforcement the name. i don't think that <laughs> than my favorite murder but it's like two women who are also trying to do a true crime comedy podcast and i keep listening to it because it's so horrible and annoying and they keep like cheering when people get the death penalty and i'm like i hate this this goes against everything i believe in mm-hmm. and but i keep listening to it and then i had a moment of panic where i'm like uh-oh are people <laughs> hate listening to this show just to hear us talk about like you know random directors and of course like how long ben affleck's butt hair is by now no i don't think we're famous enough for anyone to even get to that level with us okay well maybe somebody will hit if you're a hate listener out there please <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> I would love it if our three listeners, 50% of them were hate listening. Honestly, a hate listen to me is more fun because you're really analyzing every little thing. Yeah, I've become <laughs> obsessed with listening to this terrible, terrible, very popular true crime podcast. Not my favorite murder, not Crime Junkie. It's another one. So you guys can do the math. But it is terrible. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. Also, the girl's name in regarding Henry, it is not... Um, uh, it's her name is Mickey Allen. Yeah, I feel like you know the daughter, the little daughter in um, the one where Glenn Close murders their rabbit. Uh, oh, a basic instinct, fatal attraction. No, fatal attraction. That little daughter Fair. is so cute. I just rewatched that. The, she's the, the most adorable child actor. But yeah. parents, don't let your kids be actors. It's very bad for them. Traumatic for them. It's Predators terrible. Everywhere. And don't let them have bunnies. Also, I want to mention something else. My upstairs neighbors are listening. I have a question for you guys. Why do you always come in when I'm recording any of my podcasts and speak so loudly? And I love my upstairs neighbors. I think they're amazing, great people. They're like buds of mine. But God damn it, do they come in every single day when I'm recording the podcast and like stop in front of my door to have a fight. Yeah, my niece is probably going to start playing our extremely out of tune piano at any moment. So it's going to be great. Okay, well. So if you're hate listening, get ready. If you're hate listening, you are going to have a lot to unpack in therapy this week. (laughs) So do you have any uh, Ben Affleck news? Speaking of hate. Um, Yeah. So since we are sort of trying to casually, without anyone notice, divert this podcast to a Ben Affleck only podcast. um, (laughs) I did some extensive research this week on what's going on and also because the world is just horrible right now and has been forever since its um, inception it's a bad yeah, plan just not so a you good know. idea we're not doing it right uh, <laughs> it's a bad plan but um yeah so i a friend of the show friend of the pod uh kelly i feel like what i said kelly? her last name on here before and i you know don't dox her you hate listeners <laughs> um, <laughs> start sending Dog poop to her house. Anyway, Kelly let me know that Benifer, that's Ben Affleck and Jennifer 
Lopez, not Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> um, oh my God! What if they became a throuple? What would they be known as? Still Jennifer. Still Jennifer. Uh, okay. But so, <laughs> um, <laughs> they were spotted vacationing together in Montana. Uh, oh my God! So of all places, how interesting. For me, how rugged. This is all I need. I know that they are now a couple, but actually, that's not true because I'm very, very suspicious, and I feel like there can be no joy in the world. But um, because if you remember when. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt split up. There were like pictures of Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt like in another country together, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, they're back together." So, I think this is yeah. just what celebrities do. Like they're very wealthy, so they're like, "Oh hey, dude, listen, do you want to just go to my like fifth house in Montana and just like chill and be away from everybody for a while?" Because I think that would be helpful for you as you process this breakup with Ana de Armas and you went back to rehab and like. You know, so I don't know. But it does seem, you know, they've been spending quite some time together. So they are doing a lot of canoodling. Also, I have a joke that I just I'm sitting on and I have to say it. I'm sorry, but a power throuple. That's good. A power throuple. Come on. (laughs) I know it's late, Um, but I'm glad I said it. And I I think that they probably are boning. However, I'm going to say that when I go through a breakup, I tend to reach out to exes and then the ex looks so great. And not that I ever want to like, you know, do it with my exes because once <laughs> I've moved on from an ex, I'm well, with the exception of one ex, I'm like, nah, I'm good. But I will call them and then all of a sudden they're like my best friends because they're not as awful as the person that I just broke up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. And also, you know, Benifer broke up like a long time ago. So... Yeah, it's been a long time. Who knows, really? But Maybe I did just do watching some, Geely over I did, and over. I did some hard-hitting journalism to see, like, what the press is saying. Like, the okay. celebrity goss press, because they know everything. Uh, so, Elle Magazine reports that Jennifer Garner doesn't want to deal with the circus surrounding Ben Affleck's love life. She It goes on to point out that she's totally chill with whoever he dates. But she's sick of people just, like, calling her and asking her how she feels about this in general. Absolutely. Which is fair. Um, well, she's hanging out with Ina Garden making outrageous brownies. She doesn't need this nose. <clears throat> yes, that sounds great for her. Um, the U.S. Magazine, the U.S. Magazine, uh, said, I think it's Us Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's definitely the U.S. Magazine. It speaks for everyone in the U.S. Sorry, I don't mean to imply that I wasn't obsessively reading this magazine for many years of my life. Um, A-Rod is jealous of the reunion and is still holding out hope that they're going to get back together. That's so sad. I I also heard that he lost a lot of... I was, like, passing by a newsstand. Like, the the cover was, like, A-Rod's dramatic weight loss. Well, I would like to have a dramatic weight loss. Okay. But A Rod, maybe he's like a an athlete. How much weight could he lose? He's already in great shape. I don't know this guy. You know. Uh, and then page six reports that Matt Damon said it would be awesome, quote awesome if true <laughs> that Jennifer and Ben were back together. And that made me finally realize that what being a celebrity is is having complete randos call you up and being like, "Hey, dude." <laughs> What's your? Do you have any opinion on if your bestie is back together with his ancient ex girlfriend, and he? Then you have to respond. 
<laughs> or not. He could have also been like, no comment. But he chose to be like, it would be awesome. So I think that says something. You know awesome. what I mean? Of course it would be awesome. I saw some <laughs> other random clickbait that had a picture of Jennifer Lopez next to a picture of Rue McClanahan from... Uh, <laughs> oh, right, because it's like, this was 50 in 1980 and this is 50 now or whatever. Yeah, first of all, it's extremely rude to the ghost <laughs> of Rue McClanahan. Second of all... <laughs> Rue McClanahan is is a precious, perfect angel, and she yes, also, it like looked good. She I looked saw great. a recent Did episode of the Golden Girls, like one of the final episodes, and she's wearing jeans in it, which was shocking. And she looks great. She looks great. Did she look a little old for her age? Yeah, she was also supposed to be older on the show. They made them all look older. The little grandma, the what was her name? The woman who played Sophia. the Sophia. Oh, her real name? I have no idea. Estelle Getty. Yeah, Estelle Getty. <laughs> she was supposed to be, like, 90, and she was, like, 45. So She I'm was sorry. the youngest person on the show, yes. It's acting. It's called acting, darling. But also, I'm so confused by that, because I'm like, is... Are, are, we, are we to believe that at the beginning of Golden Girls, when they all go to live together and all their husbands have perished, that they are only 50 years old? <laughs> No, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I think they're supposed to be like 68. No, they're not supposed to be 68. You didn't live that long in the 80s. <laughs> they're like 37. No, but so if you think about it, though, it's true. So you if you have kids really young, by the time you're 50, they're completely grown and moved out and on their own. And your husband could have had a heart attack and died in his 40s, I guess. Or you're, maybe your husband's older, right? So like her husband, their husbands would have all died. At the age of 58 or something. I don't know. There's a I lot think to they're think. supposed to be in their early 60s. Is it th- there's a lot that we need to unpack here, though. There's so many questions that need answering. And Totally. Rue McClanahan, call into the show. <clears throat> also, we need to talk about how I had completely forgotten that the reason... That, I knew the reason that the show ended is because Dorothy left, but I didn't realize it's because she marries Leslie Nielsen. What? In yeah, real life? They no, look exactly the alike. Oh, Okay. (laughs) I was like, they're twins. They both look like the fucking eagle from the Muppets. (laughs) Oh, no, that's me. No, it's not. The eagle from the Muppets is very attractive, as are Leslie Nielsen. Wait, they both, wait, they leave the, wait a minute, hang on. Okay. They leave the show because she marries him on the show. Yes. Where do they go? Well, I'm sure they answer that question. I don't remember. So there's a spinoff that happens called the I can't remember what it's called but where the the remaining golden gals open a hotel and that was short-lived because I don't think it did very well um but they yeah Dorothy I don't know if she like actually just wanted to leave the show but she leaves it to go marry Leslie Nielsen oh interesting star of Naked Gun yes great (laughs) films OJ Simpson's best friend oh god all right anyway should we talk about our topic? Oh, wait, I have a funny story to tell. Oh, okay, yeah. I, mean, I don't see why we should talk about our topic, really. <laughs> I, our topic is... My, I have a very short story that's very loosely related to the topic, but it's <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, so I walked into the city for the first time in quite a while, and I went to the Union Square Farmer's Market because um, I have a job this weekend, a catering job, and I wanted to get some nice stuff for the party. And... <clears throat> On my way back, I had a stop by Di Palo's, which is an amazing Italian-American cheese pasta shop, like an alimentari kind of a place. It dates back forever. 
but it is always a trip to go in there. Like, without a doubt. I, I, so I went in to go get some mozzarella curd. It's, like, one of the only places in the city that will even sell you mozzarella curd anymore. And um, I go in there, and it is it, the one thing about Zapala is that anyone who's ever been there will tell you is it takes forever, and something weird always happens in there, <laughs> all, without a doubt. And not necessarily from the staff, usually just from the customers. So I'm in there, and this man walks in, and he's like, you know, 50s, white, rich, like very basic, like line drawing of a white, rich man in mm-hmm. his 50s. And he's like looking around at all this stuff in the cases, kind of moving around. He stands right behind me and I hear <laughs> farting start to happen. <laughs> so I look behind me <clears throat> and he didn't like accidentally fart. He's farting with his like leg up. What? <laughs> he's like has his leg up and is releasing a long, long fart. (laughs) So I am aghast at this point. Literally. I'm like (laughs) being, I'm like being gassed. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, wow. Shaking my head. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is so outrageous. I look like 10 seconds later, I look behind me. He's vanished. He's gone. So he was a ghost. (laughs) He just came into the fucking mozzarella cheese store to rip a huge long fart and then leave. Well, obviously he can't have dairy. I mean, <laughs> can't be buying <laughs> mozzarella if this is what's going on in, in a normal day for him. So I think that's why he had to leave. <clears throat> uh, it was... It's like... It was so... I understand sometimes people accidentally fart. Okay, but like... You lift... You're just like... Gonna lift your leg up to fart. Well, it's funny because um, my dad has been teaching my niece, who's very gassy. She's two, so uh-huh. I guess this is what her life is like. She's been teaching her to lift her leg up when she farts, and it's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Maybe this was your dad and niece. They were just like yeah. took a twelve-hour drive for some mozzarella. They definitely would do that for sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I thought it was just hilarious. It really gave me a <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> and I couldn't tell if it smelled because I was wearing my mask. And also they had just like fried chicken cutlets in there or something. <laughs> so it already kind of smelled like farts. <laughs> yeah. That's the great thing about the mask is that you can like the smells are blunted. So yeah, really, New York's probably a lovely place to be. Um, but it is hard when you go to Target, for example, and you want to smell all of the candles which mm, yes. a friend of mine did recently. <laughs> oh, a frag, quote unquote, friend. Uh, no, it was me. But I, you can't, <laughs> you can't smell all the candles, and then you have to really like question, like, why do I really like? Is it okay for me to continue this behavior after COVID, which is to smell every single candle of like hundreds of candles in one space? Yeah. I think yes, it's fine. <laughs> if you go for all our listener, for our listener out there, and all our hate <laughs> listeners. <laughs> especially Nicole going into a store that has candles with Nicole is an hours long process because she will smell every candle. And it's like, it doesn't matter even where we are. If they're like good smelling candles, you have to smell understand. everyone. It's outrageous. <laughs> how do you not, like, how do you not smell? All? Like, well, I don't understand how people can leave some, like smell a couple and then just be like, well, I don't care what these other six smell like. I don't care. I could live my whole life and never know. Yeah. That's a good point. I am that person. I'll smell one. I'm like, man, I've had enough, but you really stop to smell the candles. 
how the old saying goes. Mm-hmm. Um, should we get into this topic today? Yeah. Spring. So, <clears throat> sorry. I, speaking of spring, I have very bad allergies, and so that is why I am coughing and hacking away here. So for hate listeners, write that down in your notes. <laughs> um, you can hear my actual phlegm rattling around, which sounds good. Uh, so, so yeah, we're doing we spring foods. We decided to do spring um, because Zara wouldn't let me do terror or horror, which were my other suggested <laughs> topics. Terror. Terror. <laughs> terror, which is completely different from horror. Um, so as a result, I decided to do radishes, and I don't know why. They just occurred to me. So get over Let's it. Let's hear it. They're little and round. So, a radish is an edible... Oh, I got this portion of my information from wikipedia.com. Check it out. Nice. Uh, edible root vegetable, domesticated in Asia, prior to the Roman times. So that means this, this freaking vegetable has been around for a super long time, since the dawn of man. Uh, oh, first vegetable, maybe, even. <laughs> could be. There are often grown as companion plants, which I think is very cute just to be a companion plant. But um, the reason for that is that they don't have a lot of natural pests or diseases. So, like, pests are not into them. Diseases can't crack them. They're just great. They're great for novice gardeners or farmers. Because you can just really, it's hard to kill them, which is my favorite movie. Um, Steven Seagal of Hard to kill. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so because nobody in the ancient times was keeping track of what they were farming, we don't actually know for sure where they started from, but more than likely they came from Southeast Asia and they suspect that this is true because that is the only place where you can find a truly wild radish. (laughs) So there are other radishes that claim to be wild, but they, (laughs) they're not, they're not truly wild. They're not you know, wild hearts run free. Uh, like the nineties video series, radishes gone wild. <laughs> yep. All the radishes got Those drunk. Those were all in South their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> they all had low self-esteem. Um, so, um, I'm sorry, actually, I shouldn't say that. The directors of girls gone wild themselves had low self-esteem and that's why exactly. they made that terrible, exactly. terrible video series. God bless America. Um, and we, so we know they've been around for, like, forever. The first recorded instance where someone was like, oh, my God, let me write down what I'm gardening here, uh, was in the first century A.D. And the Greeks and Romans were like, hey, we have these radishes. But they didn't say radish because it was Greek or Roman. So whatever it was in Greek or Roman, which Wikipedia did not deign to let me know. How dare they? Um, also, at one point... A German botanist reported a 100-pound radish that was three <gasps> feet long. No. It was in the year of our Lord, 1544, so it was quite some time ago. But basically, nowadays, the only radishes that would ever grow near that size are the Sakurajima radish. Sakurajima radish? Um, okay. Because those guys can get pretty big. But back in the olden days... There were lots of varieties of humongo radishes, apparently. Like a monster radishes. <laughs> Is horseradish uh, a radish? Mm, well, the horseradish plant, I think, is potentially... It's in the radish family. Late. Mm, I don't know. 
Any any information about why a horseradish looks like a cock and balls? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, it, it really is does. Interesting. It didn't. I didn't stumble across that in my research. Okay. But um, oh. we can do some deep dives. Maybe someone will write in or call in and let us know. It just looks like a big, hard cock and balls. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> so then. And I'm just saying, I do. Love, I always make sure to have fresh horseradish in the house. <laughs> wow. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, Spicy. In case you were wondering, if you were to eat some radish, 3.5 ounces of radish, <laughs> which seems like a hilariously arbitrary amount, but uh, this is what Wikipedia chose. 3.5 ounces of radish have 16 calories, 3 carbs, and 10 milligrams of magnesium. That's a lot. Wow, that's good for people who suffer from migraines like me and need to... Get magnesium through their diet. Yeah, you need to get some more radishes in there. I um, actually just roasted, I bought and roasted radishes just today. Although it's interesting because you have a giant horseradish at all times. So I guess, maybe, <laughs> I guess you're not eating it. I'm not really eating it. No, it's just for show. <laughs> um, you can sprout the seeds of a radish and eat them like mung beans. Hopefully not as smelly. Stinky. Radishes um, are very stinky. And I'm assuming that the sophisticates that listen to our show know this already, but you should really not throw out your radish greens, but eat them. They're delicious. They are. I actually, so I got radishes today because I'm doing a crostini this weekend for this party with um, herb butter and roasted radishes and like sauteed radish greens, fresh sliced radish and fresh horseradish. That's not a joke. (laughs) It's a radish spectacular. <laughs> how okay? How can you say radishulous? Radishulous. Radishulous. That's my pun for the day. I did it. Okay, <laughs> moving on. You can make radish seed oil out of radish seeds, but you should not eat it. It's not appropriate for humans to consume, but it can make a biofuel. Okay. Wow. What do you mean? Like you could run your car on radishes, essentially? I believe so, yes. Oh. Well, you would have to extract the oil from the seeds, but yes, technically you could. Seems like a lot of work. Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, so radishes in culture. This is our next section. Okay, great. In Japan and Korea, it's common for little children to be given radish dolls as gifts, which I think is very cute. That's adorable. Um, radish is one of the plants that makes up the Japanese festival of seven herbs, which occurs seven days after the new year, which sounds very cute. And I would like to go to that at some point. Me too. In Oaxaca, there is the night of the radishes on December 23rd, which is part of their Christmas celebrations. And they take large radishes and they carve them in a competition. So they carve them in all these crazy shapes and Christmas creatures and oh wow they're judged that's cool mary was telling me that actually in halloween time um i think we talked about this on the show but instead of carving pumpkins or maybe you told me this but mary definitely told me too instead of carving carving pumpkins they would carve turnips which are similar to radishes so i guess yeah hardy root vegetables exactly um so i wanted to look up the, the benefits of eating a radish, if there were any, and I found this article that I am going to make fun of a little bit, but I hope that it's because it's a fake blog. 
Okay. Um, so this <laughs> this blog is called Frutativa.com, and I think that we referenced it on this podcast before. But really? I can't quite figure out its deal. I think it's a fake blog, but maybe it's real. I don't know. Anyway, the okay. article title is... 12 unsuspected benefits of radishes for which they should be eaten more regularly. <laughs> which I just thought was the most hilarious title of an Very article. matter of fact. So, you know, take this information with multiple grains of salt, but this is what they say are the benefits of eating radishes. So the first okay. is that they are allies of your liver and your stomach. Oh, of course. If there's a war, they will be on the side. Like if there's a war against the liver and the stomach, they will be on. Like they will be allies to those. I'm just picturing a bunch of tiny radishes with like little guns, like just marching <laughs> up to you, like jumping into your mouth. They're like, "We're here! We're here to help!" <laughs> um, it also says that um, radishes will detox the blood and it will kill the toxins. I think that is interesting because I think a lot of times you could like get rid of those toxins but sometimes they come back to life and this Ooh. the radish will kill them forever wow allegedly according to allegedly. they're also a diuretic so if you're feeling bloaty you can eat some radishes and allegedly according to this blog you will pee more and that will make you feel less bloated interesting but then it'll fill you with more gas just saying so you're just trading one kind of bloating for the other depends on if it's a problematic digestive issue for you maybe that's what sure. that guy ate right before he came into your cheese shop just shoving radishes into his <laughs> face like whoa i better let this gas go here at Tapalos. <laughs> get on be on my way uh the blog also says that radishes are great for weight loss um and it's great for cardiovascular health it can prevent cancer. It has vitamin C, folic acid, and also, like I said before, it murders the toxins. Gets what rid of can't them. What can it do? Um, it's great if you are blocked up. Can't go number two, but you have to eat like a really large amount for it to be helping you with your constipation. So. Well, I mean, if you eat enough of anything, it's going to have to come out <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Not mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> could you do a radish enema? Oh, yeah. You can do an enema with anything. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Except for mozzarella. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. A mozzarella stick enema? Uh, it's just like... <laughs> no! Pulling out. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Stop. <laughs> it just reminds me of being... When I was a kid, we were, like, down the shore one one time, and... We were like eating mozzarella sticks and I remember I choked on it and I just was pulling mozzarella out of my throat for what felt like hours, but it was probably only a couple of seconds. I was so scared. I was choking, yeah. but it just reminds me of what doing a mozzarella stick enema would probably be like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> want to so get funny. that out of there before it gets too warm, I think is what you want to do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently... You can use radishes to reduce your blood pressure. Okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Okay, <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, you can use it to control your diabetes. So oh. you can stop worrying if they're ever going to reduce the price of 
insulin on the market and just eat radishes only okay great take that wilford brimley i think this is doctors don't want you to know this secret <laughs> that's true <laughs> 10 things doctors don't want you to know mozzarella stick enemas <laughs> radishes um, wilford brimley it stimulates your skin beauty uh-huh. it helps a fever if you have a fever just drink some radish juice and it'll probably go away i would assume really yeah I mean, you have to be privileged enough to own a juicer, first of all. I have a juicer, and it does make me feel very privileged, but it does take up a lot of space on my counter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I wanted to know, that's all I have for that section. Now I'm moving on to the magical uses of radishes, because I figured since it's been around for so long, it probably has some kind of magical use in history. So I found this on a blog called The Road Goes Ever On by Brie Nickgarin. And she writes that there are three magical uses for a radish. Protection, lust, and fire magic. You can carry radishes to protect you against curses and the evil eye. And German tradition says that if you carry wild radishes, you can determine the location of sorcerers. Wow, maybe that was also the original version of uh, the famous Rolling Stones song, Wild Radishes. (laughs) Couldn't (laughs) tear me away. Yep, that's right. Um, And if you eat a radish, it will increase your lust. I don't know to what amount didn't say in the blog. So Mm. it just will increase it to some level. So think about that. Maybe you don't radishes. Have, you don't want to have radishes and oysters at a meal because then you would like totally be too turned on. Yeah, your boner will just cut right through the table. Although it is interesting because it's the reason that they think that oysters are so sexy is because of the magnesium, right? Oh, I didn't know that actually. I just thought because honestly, in my brain, I always thought it was because they're like vaginal. They're Ew. like slippery and... <laughs> Kind of like eating pussy. Okay, well, I don't think... Maybe that's... Right. <laughs> I don't think that's right. I don't think that's Not right. right. That's like a... <laughs> I mean, like... are they even... Whatever. It's hate just listeners. Like... So much for you guys this week. The hate listeners are like, and then they were talking about oysters being vaginal. I mean, really? Although These I guess two... it's true, though, if you're, th- if you're already in that line of thinking and if you're... If that's the kind of sexy that you want to get into. Right. But then. There's the so many things that, that are. People that don't want to have any vaginal sex. No vagina. Like that it right. doesn't work for them. That's true. That's very fair. There are so many foods that are less like a vagina <laughs> than an oyster. I mean, if any food is like a vagina, an oyster is probably right up there in the top five, though. Could we agree on that? Um, sure. Maybe even number one. I follow the Instagram I Spy Vagina, which finds vagina oh. shapes in unusual places. And I don't think that they've had an oyster on there. They did just recently have a sliced ham, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> well, like mussels, very vaginal. Sure, yeah. Papaya. All shellfish, pretty much. Shellfish in general. <laughs> a split um, down shrimp, a deveined shrimp. <laughs> in conclusion, uh-huh, sorry. I just wanted to share with you. My favorite ways to eat a radish. Okay, oh, are you please. ready? Yes, I'm ready. 
Oh, I also want to point out that when I was a child, I hated radishes because I thought they tasted like onions, and my dad would just eat them raw, dipped in salt. That was how he would eat them. My grandmother also loved, loved, loved radishes. Um, she was a, you know, Ashkenazi Jew, Hungarian, uh, and it was very popular in Hungarian culture to eat radishes, and she loved cold, cold radishes. She ate them all the time. Yeah, so I like to eat my radishes on a banh mi sandwich, a pickled daikon. Oh, yeah. Thinly sliced on a taco. Delicious. And if I'm at somebody's house who's fancy and French, I would like to eat them on a radish sandwich with some delicious high-quality butter. Oof, so good. So good! I like roasted radishes. I don't really like roasted radishes because of the texture issue. Texture. I like a roasted radish, and I mean, I love it. I just love, like, radishes with butter. Just, yeah. like, dipped in butter Classic. with salt. Um, oh, I was going to say... I like say, radishes you, in my salad. Yes, sliced up in a salad. So good. Do you remember when radishes with butter, like, swept the New York food scene and they were at every yes. restaurant? Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> and it's not that like a fun time that. to be alive. You know what? I'm fine with seeing them on a menu because I like them. I used to love going to Henry Public. Um, I mean, that's still around, but I used to go there all the time. I haven't been since COVID, but... Uh, Getting radishes and butter and, like, a hamburger and french fries and a salad and oysters. You know, it's, yes, but it is annoying when every restaurant needs to do the same thing. Yeah, well, it was also just, like, to me, I don't think it's annoying. I think it just really specifically recalls, like, I don't, I think it was, like, 2013 or something. 2013, yes, the year of the radish. The year of, also, like, the Aperol spritz and just, like, I don't know, and going to Negronis. People got into, like, bitter (laughs) things then. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? We all have to kind of, we're all in this terrible experiment together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. For some reason, I feel nostalgia for 2013 um, New York. But I like, I, that was a simpler time, although not really. And we're. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes and no. (laughs) And I guess the thing is that simpler is not better. That's what we need to. I was less informed, but then I would just happily. Smoking cigarettes and drinking Aperol spritz on a patio. What could be better? Ugh. Literally, to be honest, and I'm saying this not in the millennial way. I mean this in the Webster's way. To me, literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing is better than sitting on a patio and having a drink and smoking a cigarette. It's truly I haven't smoked a cigarette heavy. in quite some time now, and I miss it. I think about it all the time, especially as the weather warms up. Mm-hmm. And we went to the Commodore when you were here last week. And that is my all-time favorite place to smoke cigarettes and drink and talk yeah. shit. Ooh, it was hard not to smoke when we were there. We did, But I though. didn't have any cigarettes, so. I think I did have cigarettes, but I didn't smoke any because I have taken a leave from cig smoking. But yeah. now I'm working again, so maybe I'll smoke more. We'll see what happens. More on that you know, off I, the podcast. It doesn't matter. You're not the kind of person. You'll, you'll be fine. You, I can tell from the quality, high quality of your skin and the smallness of your pores that you're not going to die from lung cancer oh thank god well also i eat so many radishes yeah it's all those radishes plus you have a radish army to support you i do i drink radish juice for breakfast every single morning oh well that explains a lot all right let's take a break um this show when i'm crossing my fingies and toes so tightly that it's brought to you by radishes <laughs> you think or by me ah yes okay <laughs> 
My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. And Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. And, and you loved our sponsor, and it was radishes, wasn't it? I was no, it, right. It was Nikki's. <laughs> oh, it was Nikki Six. <laughs> no, Nikki's the the banh mi place. Oh yeah, I love a good banh mi. I haven't had a banh mi in a long time. That's a is that one of the best top five sandwiches of all time? I think so. Well, I probably I don't know if I can weigh in. If, if you know some real purists that listen to our show might get mad, but I I actually prefer the tofu version of Bami. So I don't, there's no pate on that version, so I don't know mm. if I'm allowed to weigh in, but it's one of my personal top favorite sandwiches. I like that tofu Bami from whatever the place is on Bergen Street. Or that's on Mickey's, is it not? Smith Street. No, I don't think so. I forgot oh, what that place is called. Well, that's the place that I meant. <laughs> is it? Anyway, whatever. Doesn't matter. Delicious. I like their tofu Bami too. Um, come at us. You know what? You already hate listening. Might as well keep on. Oh yeah. Keep hate listening to this. Okay. So I am doing another springtime vegetable. The tiniest, the teeniest of all spring vegetables. <laughs> the, the pea. <laughs> Don't you think a chive is smaller than a pea? No, it's not because a chive <laughs> is only small when you cut it up into a small piece. Otherwise it's long. But it's so skinny. Well, it is skinny, but it's, it's. Much longer. I think a pea is tinier. Although, only when it's out of the pod. Because exactly. when it's in its little house, it is big. That's true. A chive might be smaller. Okay. Well, it, it's, it is teeny. Maybe one it's not of the teeniest. The, one of the smaller spring foods. One of the tinier foods that you can eat with a fork in the springtime. <laughs> you can eat them all year round. They are, I think that they are maybe the only really good frozen vegetable. Frozen spinach frozen is okay, corn. too. Frozen oh, corn yeah, frozen good. corn's fine. Um, pea is technically a fruit. I'm going to start off with a joke. What's the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean? I don't know. The difference is Trump never paid $50,000 to have a garbanzo bean on his face. <laughs> a chickpea on his face. Is that now, what Stormy is- Daniels said that he wanted? No, that was like the Russian compromise. The what, like they, the dossier was about was about oh. like having the compromise was that he had paid money to have people pee on him. Oh well, who hasn't? <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so the pee is most uncommonly the pee is most. Oh, first of all, I got most of my information from Wikipedia and also an article at Gastro Obscura by Paula uh, Mija. Wait, hold on. So you said a pea is a fruit, but I think it's a legume. I think, no, it's actually a fruit. <gasps> it's technically a fruit, according to Wikipedia. Oh, my God. I know. It's really weird. I always thought it was a legume as well, but it says it's a pea. I mean okay. a fruit. Okay. 
Oh, okay. Botanically, pea pods are fruit. The pea pods are fruit since mm. they contain seeds and develop from the ovary of the pea flower. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So the pea is most commonly uh, the small spherical seed or the seed pod of the pod fruit Pisium sativum. Each pod contains several peas, which can be green or yellow. So that's what a pea is, folks. <laughs> Great. Um, it's an annual plant and has a life cycle of one year. It's a cool season crop grown in many parts of the world. Planting can take place from winter to early summer, depending on the location. The average pea weighs between 0.1 and 0.36 grams. <laughs> oh, I was wondering that. I mean, that way, if you're on some kind of weird Benefer diet, you can figure, you can weigh your peas and know exactly how many you're supposed to well, eat. Well, I think that they would still weigh more than a chive. That's very interesting. Now, callers, <laughs> if you're hate listening right now and you're near a tiny scale and you have a chive and a pea, please call into the show. <clears throat> the wild pea is restricted to the Mediterranean basin and the Near East. The earliest archaeological finds of peas date from the late Neolithic era, uh, era of current Greece, Syria, Turkey, and Jordan. So those are some old-ass peas. Older than that bag of frozen peas that you have shoved in the back of your freezer. Am I right, everyone? <laughs> uh, yes. I keep frozen peas in my freezer all the time. One, because I do like to have the ability to toss them into, let's say, a rice pilaf or a soup or stew that I may be having cooking away on the stove. But also I get migraines, as I mentioned before, and a bag of frozen peas is the best thing you can possibly put onto your face if you're having a migraine. Yeah, people always use them in movies for injuries. Yeah, it's. I mean, they are really great for that. Um, I, like, had... <laughs> I took a bag of peas out of the freezer the other day, and I had been definitely, like... Uh, I actually just got this new freezer mask if I get a migraine that I can put on. Like, it's like this frozen liquid mask, which is, dare I say, better than the peas. But I had definitely been taking the peas in and out of the freezer and letting them, like, defrost and refreeze and defrost and refreeze. And I took them out, and it was like a pea popsicle. Like and one just, giant pea? Yeah. Consisting it was like of many one. small peas? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, the Romans grew over 37 varieties of peas. Which explains a lot about the Romans, huh? Yes. Yes. They loved to cultivate and agriculturalize. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It is estimated that over 9,000 peas. Now, this is a a statistic. I'm very curious to know how uh, they collect this statistic. It is estimated that over 9,000 peas are eaten per person in Britain each year. 9,000 peas per person? I'm just picturing them like, I don't know, like opening their mouth and like a big giant, like, you know, those cement mixer things, except it's like full of peas instead of cement. I feel like I eat 9,000 peas every time I eat peas. There's just like, it's hard to keep track of them, you know? There's like (laughs) one spoonful is like 3,400 peas. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, the record for pea eating, guess how many, what the record <laughs> Why is of, record pea, of, of peas that someone ate in one minute with chopsticks. Now what? this is really going to shock you. The number one minute with one chopsticks. minute with chopsticks. What, how many do you think someone ate? I would go with my original number 3,400. 7,175. <laughs> I don't okay, even so- know. How could that be? <laughs> 7,000 in one minute. 
7,175 peas were once eaten in a minute with chopsticks by Janet Harris of Sussex. This was a world <laughs> record, obviously. Jesus Christ. And these are not split peas. These are regular round peas. These are round peas. I don't mean yeah. to imply that split peas are not regular peas. <laughs> yeah, please. Stop pea shaming. <laughs> um, wow. She, I mean, she should have been the president of England. Yeah. Well, she is president of England. Oh, of okay. The pea fact of that's the pea how party. She, okay, that's how they elected her. She ate the yeah. most peas. The pea party, I said. Oh, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So, according to, like, proper etiquette books, the proper etiquette for eating peas is to squash them on the back of your fork. I've seen that. I've heard that before. I find that to be strange. And, like... Because I used to, I have always been someone that really plays with my food, especially when I was a kid. And like, if I have any leftovers on my plate, I'm always mashing them. So that's just what it makes me think of. And I always got yelled at for that. My mom would freak out. She'd, Stop playing with your food. Um. So to me, that doesn't make sense. But here we, uh, alas, here we are. Yeah, it's a different um, culture. It's England. It was a different time. In 1969, the first ever commercial that was in color <laughs> was for Bird's Eye Frozen Peas. Really. Yes. I yes. am a fan. I'm a fan. Now, this is funny. So I was telling my friend Dave the other day, he was asking about, he was saying, oh, he had a hangover. He wants something mindless. So I was like, oh, you should check out the show that Nicole just talked about on the podcast called Raccoons, <laughs> which I looked up. <laughs> and it is ridiculous, as <laughs> promised. And then this, okay, so then I came across this fun fact in 1989 there was a television program about peas that lived in an overgrown flower pot at the bottom of a garden it was called the poddington peas <laughs> oh so i okay this is so funny i was trying to entertain my niece last weekend and so i was like i want to look up 80s cartoons because there's some i like like yeah have a that's where you of. found the raccoons yeah but oh that's right the same well the same montage had the Poddington piece which which was a british oh show oh my god i'm almost positive because i had never heard of it before and it's just yeah peas living their lives <laughs> having a time isn't that amazing just like you know what 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 do you think we should make this call tune about that's that's the writer taking a line of cocaine uh, because it's the think AIDS, about right. a bunch of peas <laughs> what <laughs> if there was a bunch of peas that came to life and it's all about what they do in the pot in the pot during the day and then during the night. We'll call it the Poddington piece. That's my British accent. Now people oh, are really hate was. listening from Britain. <laughs> <laughs> now we have international hate listeners from across the, the Poddington Poos. Okay, look. Now I'm going to get into my story here. Okay. So what I'm going to tell you about now is an is related to peas loosely, but it's very funny. And it's about a group of folks in uh, the industrial era of Britain and, and Ireland. Uh, and this continued through the 1970s from like the mid 1800s through the uh, 1970s. And really? they were known as the knocker uppers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they were not people that ran around impregnating strangers. Oh, instead, that's what I thought. Instead, they were a human alarm clock. Because if you think about it, aside from roosters, there's no alarm clocks. And those roosters are only crowing when they feel like it. You know what I mean? So you can't depend on them. Well, you're back so, in time now and you say there's no alarm clocks, right? I'm back in. No, currently there's an alarm clock shortage. It's a real problem. So 
Back in the day, there was no alarm clocks except for roosters. But some people, as the Industrial Revolution starts coming around, workers are forced to go to work in the middle of the fucking night at like 3 a.m. and get paid no money and, uh, you know, not allowed to unionize and die they on the job. They were exploited. Terribly exploited. Not like and today. No, no, not not at all like today uh, where they're making fucking minimum wage. Anyway... <clears throat> Um, this is not going to become a communist podcast. Not today, but maybe next week. <laughs> any day um, now. Any day now. We are teetering on the edge of just taking it to a full time, half Ben Affleck, half communism. Okay. <laughs> so the, uh, the knocker uppers were human alarm clocks and they would travel the streets and wake paying customers in t- to get up in time for work armed with sticks or sometimes a pea shooter. They tapped on windows and blasted them with dried peas. So these folks would get clients and then they'd take a big long straw and a, they'd have a pocket full of dried peas and they would shoot, spit shoot the dried peas at people's windows until they woke up for work. How would they know they were awake? Do you like come out and signal to them? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, oh, they okay. would. Yeah. So. Also, I would not want to be next door neighbors to these people. Well, this also became part of the problem. They're accidentally waking up other people. So the trades, the trades spread rapidly across the country. Not in my backyard. (laughs) Don't tread on me. Just kidding. Um, The (laughs) trade spread rapidly across the country, particularly in areas where poorly paid workers were required to work shifts but could not afford their own watches. Uh, The profession of the knocker upper employed many people. Most of them were elderly men and women, also police officers, ACAB, moonlighted <laughs> as knocker-uppers during their night shifts. When, imagine, like, a cop is just shooting peas at your window in the middle of the night. Uh, Instead of solving Jack the Ripper. <laughs> well, actually, this is mentioned. So, in Jack the Ripper, <laughs> they mention a knocker-upper. Like, the first person who found the first victim of Jack the Ripper, the first known victim, ran to a knocker-upper, and they're like, I found a, a dead woman! And uh, the knockerper was like, whatever, and just kept shooting peas at windows and like. He's like, bro, I need to make some cash here. Shut up! I have people to wake up. (laughs) 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 So usually they're hired by individuals, but sometimes companies would hire them, like mining companies. Um, Thus, they made sure everyone came to work on time. Some clients would write uh, write the time to be woken up uh, on slate boards and put them in front of their houses. So if the knocker-upper accidentally fell asleep and didn't wake up, the entire district would arrive late for work, which I think is so funny. No pressure, dude. It's <laughs> like everybody, like, does, like, everything fucking falls into disrepair because this one person doesn't so wake funny. up on time. This person literally has one job, though, and they can't. <laughs> <laughs> Your one job is to shoot peas at people's windows <laughs> at 4 a.m. <laughs> Get with it. So the knocker uppers were paid one shilling per client a week. In is case that you're wondering, a good wage? it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> oh, okay. So a shilling would buy you in like the turn of the century. One shilling would buy you a quarter pound of cocoa, a bar of soap, a packet of pudding, and a packet of gum. That seems like that's a ton what, of shit. That's what you get for one shilling. That seems like a lot of stuff. I think that's like a dollar or like 50 cents. I would say so, I'm going to do this as a job. Uh, you know what? I think we should bring it back. Everything, like, look, look what radishes and butter, how the comeback they had. Yeah, Knocker exactly. uppers can also make a comeback. Anything. <laughs> Just 
<laughs> you move back to New York and start shooting peas at everyone's window and you're like the richest person in town. Um, the price of waking up depended at the time and the distance of the dwellings of the clients. Early hours, such as 4 a.m., were more expensive than waking hours between 5 and 6 a.m. If a client missed paying the knocker-up or the client would be left to sleep. <laughs> So if you just like missed it, like they would just like not wake you up and they wouldn't they wouldn't even care. They'd be like, sorry, Charlie. Dude, I feel like the olden times were fraught with peril. I know. I mean, <laughs> I just think it's really funny. So, OK, this to answer your earlier so question. Stressed. I wouldn't even be able to sleep because I wouldn't be scared that the knocker upper wouldn't come because. Exactly. Who's going to wake up the knocker upper? Another knocker upper? But like how easy would it be to bribe the knocker upper to not wake you up if they had a vendetta against you? Exactly. I know. It's really problematic. So one problem, as you asked about before, that knocker-uppers faced was making sure workers did not get woken up for free. When <laughs> knocking up began to be regular trade, we used to rap or ring the doors of our customers. A former knocker-upper said, <laughs> I don't know when they said this. This must have been quoted from over 100 years ago. Well, you said it lasted <laughs> until the 1970s, so I guess it's That's just true. Like- um, oh no, this was Mrs. Waters. She, uh, knocking up the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that a dried pea? Um, knocker upper. Oh, this was a knocker upper um, who told this, who gave this rep- uh, this interview in 1878, actually. Okay, great. Uh, the public complained of being disturbed by our loud rapping or ringing, and the knocker-upper soon found out that while he knocked up one who paid him, he knocked up several on each side who did not. Uh, the solution they hit on was modifying a long stick with which to tap on the bedroom windows of their clients <laughs> loudly enough to rouse the intended, um, but softly enough not to disturb the rest. So I'm imagining the peas also probably weren't always like a straight shot, so this long fishing pole type device i think was like better sounds cool i know it's really it's really funny and silly um the professionals tried to concentrate on many clients from the short walking distance this was necessary to wake everyone requested on time consequently the knocker uppers exchanged clients to cover as many houses as they could and each knocker upper served up to 100 clients really Mm-hmm. it's a lot it's a lot of i mean <clears throat> It's a lot, but also, like, you could see shooting 100 peas in one morning, and then you make, a hun- whatever, 100 shillings a week, well, I guess. Well, you can eat 7,000 peas in one minute, so you can... <laughs> Shoot 100 <laughs> in, like, five hours. <laughs> Marianne Smith. Now, Marianne Smith was the most famous one who used the pea shooter. Marianne Smith became a beloved presence, along with her trusty pea shooter, around London's East End in the 1930s. John Topham, who snapped photos of Smith in action, remembers every morning but Sunday she would rise at three to knock up local workers using a pea shooter. She charged six pence a week, and her and her nearest competition was an old man nearly three three miles away who did the same thing using a fishing rod. That's just so funny. Oh man. Smith was known for the rapping, clacking sound of her peas against the windows and doors. In the children's books, Mary Smith uh, was depicted. In a children's book, she was depicted as waking up everyone from fishmongers to the mayor. She was often seen beating her mats on the street, calling out greetings to her neighbors, and offering people um, food. Later on, Smith's daughter, also named Mary, took up pea blasting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to be confused with finger blasting <laughs> <laughs> or peeing on Donald Trump's face. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, her daughter started doing it, and then the practice continued until, like, the 70s. Um, and uh, it was immortalized by a folk singer named Mike Canavan in one of his songs, and he says... Through cobbled streets, cold and damp, the knocker-upper man is creeping, tap, tap, tapping each window pane to keep the world from sleeping. <laughs> Rude, honestly. <laughs> and that's the story of, of knocking up. I think it's really, like, cute and funny. It is. It's really funny that you immediately knew that this was a thing when you we decided what our topic was. You were like, I'm going to do knocking up with peas. And I was like, how do you know about this, bro? I know. I think it must have been stuck in my head from way back, probably from the Jack the Ripper story. <laughs> because, like, I've, you know, read a lot of books about Jack the Ripper. I don't know. That yeah. must be where it came from. But it was in my brain somewhere. But I think it's very funny and uh, very adorable and old-fashioned and... And, like, pro-worker. I like that aspect of it, too. <laughs> yes. Pro-worker, old-timey. That's basically what our podcast is. Vintage <laughs> labor. Vintage socialists and, and labor unionizers. A, a dash of Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes. Tune in next week as we cover, cover uh, Mother Jones and her <laughs> favorite sandwich. <laughs> and her potential love interest, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Speaking of Ben Affleck, what are your favorite spring foods? Top three. Oh, well, I already gave my three favorite radish dishes. So you go first and then I'll, I'll quickly. You're just cop- quickly copy me. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, perfect. Well, my three favorite spring foods are definitely number one. I'm going to start with my favy fave. <laughs> my number one is asparagus. Great. Love it. Um, number two, now this is, I feel upset about saying this a little bit, but it is true. Um, I have to say ramps. Oh, it's okay. I think now Now, it's okay. They're so like overpriced and they're so like, there's something about the way that like rich white women in my neighborhood get excited about ramps (laughs) that makes me not want to like them, but they are delicious. That's undeniable. They're great. Yeah. Also when things were really ramping up for ramps, if you'll forgive me for saying that, um, (laughs) I won't. That was also a 2013 time, right? Yes. Ramps really made their debut. The ramp ramp pizza, the really golden age of the ramp pizza. I think the ramp pizza, the ramp Gibson, of course, ramp pesto. We used to make a delicious, burnt ramp salsa verde at Brucey, which was so good. And I still, oh, that yeah. smell of like charring ramps Delicious. is just, yeah, so good. Um, but yes, ramps are lame, but they are good. So ramps are my number two. And my number three is morel mushrooms. Love oh, that's so toast. funny. I was going to, okay. I'm going to copy you for one because I, that's fine. this is also for me a little bit embarrassing because we would always get the morels in at my restaurant and then we would have a morel toast and it was, yeah. At diner or Marlo. Yeah, and it was just, like, thrilling for me because it was so delicious. I also had recently, like, I didn't really, like, eat mushrooms until later in life. Mm. So I was like, oh, I like mushrooms now. I'm super into this morel toast. And then the chef was like, oh, it's so annoying because everyone's, like, screaming about morel toast. And it's so stupid and I hate it because I'm jaded and bitter. And I was like, but I like it, you son of a bitch. That's um, the best thing that Marlon and Sons, like, ever made. And I think there was some, <clears throat> I've had some very delicious food from there, but that was such a classic, so great good. thing. It was just so oh, perfect. So good. It was just perfect. perfect. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Penwith, really, God really bless good. you. Um, so, 
That was good. And then I also, I love asparagus too, but I think it's interesting the way that my personal family cooks it, which is they just roast it until it's dying. Like so crunchy, (laughs) like poofs out of your mouth when you're really biting into it. Which for most vegetables, I like it to be like super, I'm, I'm fine with like eating like super roasted stuff, but I don't know. I feel like the asparagus needs, I don't know, just seems to be, it seems like we've, we're just killing it. My parents are just killing it over and over again. But, um, totally. I like it anyway, but I do my prefer, my preferred way to have asparagus is just dunked in boiling water for like 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. And then that's it. That would be blanching it. Big blanch. Blanch Devereux, full circle. Yes. Full circle. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> quick Rue McClanahan on that asparagus and then in the old mouth hole um, also I don't know if this is like I guess it's not really a spring food but for me it kind of is because of Easter but deviled eggs they're so great oh yeah and to me you know it's when it first starts to get warm enough to go outside although here in Indiana we're still not really getting warm enough for my taste um, yeah it's still kind of cold here too mischievous eggs very, very naughty. Yeah, Bad. They're, they're mischievous. Delicious. Um, I love a deviled egg. I made them for the first time when we had our Easter eggs here this year. And Oh, how did they come out? Messy? No, they were fine. They were just, of course, all gray because the color had soaked through the... <laughs> <laughs> that is devilish. Um, a gray egg? No thanks. But I would have I eaten your deviled eggs. No, they, sure were they were good. It's, it's just so fun because I feel like the deviled egg mixture is so personal if I put tons and tons of mustard in mine and Tabasco mm. mayonnaise yes of course but of you course you gotta do mayonnaise mm-hmm. you gotta do mayonnaise it's the best condiment people who don't like mayonnaise need not apply I dated the last person I dated didn't like mayonnaise and I realized that I will never date another person again who doesn't like mayonnaise it's a <laughs> deal breaker for me because it speaks to something and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before it just it speaks to something that's too fussy. You know what I mean? Well, I have a good friend who doesn't like mayonnaise, and we tolerate him. We can be friends. You just can't. I won't smash. That's all. <laughs> sure. I sure, won't smash. Sure. I'm not going to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets, and I'm not going to let you see my butt. So <laughs> if you want to do that, you better get to like mayonnaise. <laughs> I feel like plenty of people have seen your butt at this point. <laughs> mayonnaise lovers and mayonnaise haters are like, now look, <laughs> if you're someone who's been tuning into the show purely out of spite, <laughs> I'm going to leave you with an image of my butt full of mayonnaise. Now take that. Whoa. <laughs> take that. I hate listen to it. I feel like um, this episode was X-rated. Or no, it was like rated R. It was it was a little bit filthy. We did talk about cocks and balls and vaginas <laughs> and all the things that people who are uh, uh, avid listeners of Heritage Radio Network <laughs> like to hear. <laughs> stay, come for the far, come for the pretense of seasonal vegetables. Stay <laughs> for the splashing and yeah. the uh, golden showers. <laughs> oh, the splashing! I forgot all about that. Tune in. Check out our previous episodes if you want to know what that's all about. Uh, I guess I was thinking this episode had some splashing in it because I did just mention filling my butt with... Um, with mayonnaise, right. Mayonnaise. In oh, we talked about a mozzarella stick enema. Yep. <laughs> That's the funny... I am so immature. That is the funniest <laughs> image I can possibly think of. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's so. I mean, I guess you're saying with the breading uh, on it? Because otherwise the it's breading. just like... A, 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, not just melt not just filling your ass with melted mozzarella cheese. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> well, I was just thinking of a perfectly like a perfect butthole sized cheese stick <laughs> that you can have in the fridge at any time no, if you live with toddlers. That is just that's like a string cheese enema. That's different. I'm talking about a melted <laughs> mozzarella stick enema. So it's been in the deep fryer, it's come out, and then you're ramming it in your butt with the breading on it. <laughs> 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 you now you've got it okay and marinara sauce comes into play somewhere but that is going a step too far so anyway guys have a great week <laughs> a bridge too far a br- <laughs> thanks for tuning in and i hope that uh the show gave you a little respite from some of the terribleness that is occurring in the world just gonna quickly say andrew yang no thank you if you've donated for some ungodly reason to Andrew Yang's campaign, ask for your money back. I saw today that you can actually do that. You can? Yes. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yes, and Andrew Yang, in case you are listening, you don't speak for New York. You're not the mayor, and even if you were, like, you still don't speak for all of New York, but you're not the mayor, so stop speaking for us. Bernie Sanders, I would like to have some of my money back. Just not all of it, but, like, a small amount. That would be great. Why did Bernie Sanders say something about... No, just from too. him not just like not really doing it for us all those years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. no. He didn't say anything. He would never. God, I was like really terrified for a second. No, there. and Bernie Sanders. Um, I'm just teasing. You can keep the six dollars I gave you, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bernie can keep all my money. I hope he's doing something. I hope he's having fun with it. He deserves it. Live a little, Bernie. Go get yourself a pedicure. <laughs> I hope pedicure. he finds himself a nice hot tub at the cabin, <laughs> his second home. I hope he's having a mozzarella stick enema. All right. On that note, we're leaving. Hasta la pasta. Bye. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.